So our verse for today, we're looking at 1 Corinthians 1, and it's verse 26 to 31. And it reads, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are, so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Let's pray. Father God, I just, I thank you so much for bringing us all here safely that we can come and fellowship again, Lord. I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I just pray at this time that this would just touch hearts, Father God, and you would be glorified, Father God. I just pray that every word out of my mouth would be a word of yours and not any of my own, Father God. Let any words of mine fall on deaf ears, but let your words just be received. And Lord, I just pray that we are able to come and we are able to boast in you, Lord, through this. And we are able to boast in you every day of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so today's message is actually a continuation from last week's. And so I just wanted to take a little bit of time, first of all, to go back over a couple of the things that we were looking at. Because um, there's a few super important things that we're going to need to know. in order for today's passage to make sense. Uh, that's that the world sees Jesus and the gospel as foolishness. It just doesn't make sense to the world at all. If the world was looking for any kind of salvation at all, they were looking for something that was going to be through wisdom or miracles. They weren't looking, they weren't looking for the cross of Christ. They weren't looking for the truth that we could only come to God through Jesus' death and resurrection, through the sacrifice he made. It makes no sense at all to them. So to the world, Jesus and the cross were the very image of weakness, and that's how it continues to be seen today in the modern-day world. So then knowing that, let's get into the passage for today. It opens on Paul calling the believers of the Corinthian church to remember where they were called by God into the faith, or when they were called by God into the faith. It wasn't by their own hands, and it wasn't by their own strength and wisdom. It was by the work that Jesus had done on the cross. He wants them to remember that, the, that most of them weren't wise or influential. They weren't of noble birth by human standards. And just like the gospel... To the world, these were people who were seen as fools. They were just slaves and regular citizens for the most part. They weren't anything at all in society's eyes. And they certainly weren't amazing. If we were to bring this into today's perspective, sorry. What Paul is saying here is that they lack wisdom. And this is not to say that they were dumb at all, but because most of them were probably pretty smart, but they were just aver the average Joe. 
they weren't anything special, but they just didn't fit into what society hold dear. They weren't the best of the best at absolutely everything they could be. And ultimately, like them, um, they had nothing to boast in at all. They, there wasn't anything as far as the world was concerned that these people could boast in. For the most part, our church today is much the same. Most of us are just average Joes going about our day to day. We don't have too many doctors in the churches or billionaires, pop stars, athletes in the pews. See, for the most part, there's nothing that the world finds all that interesting about the church. There's nothing special about us. And to top that all off, we spend our time trusting in a God that we can't even see. So, of course, the world finds that the people in the church are foolish. It just doesn't make any sense to them. And it's true, we are foolish by the world's eyes, but that's totally okay. That doesn't actually matter at all. And that's why God chooses the people he does. He's not looking for people trying to pretend that they're something that they're not. He's not looking for the most amazing people in the crowd. Because when you come to Christ, you have to admit that you're not everything, that you're not what this world holds dear. You have to admit that you're not enough. As Christians, we live knowing that no matter how strong or smart or fast we are, that at the end of the day, we still need God. We're no better than any other person. Like everyone else, we all sin and we all fall short of God's goodness. But God still chose each and every one of us so that we could personally know that we were saved by his grace alone. Look, I don't want you to be disheartened by what I'm saying. I know it sounds pretty rough that we're fools or whatever, but that's, that's not the case because it's just what the world thinks and it's just what the world is believing about the gospel. I mean, I've personally been called all numbers of things for telling people about that I'm a Christian or sharing the good news, even when they personally ask me themselves. I'm, so I'm not, and I absolutely don't want to discredit the hurt that you felt because of that when we're talking about this because it can be hurtful to experience that from the world and experience that from people who think you're not what the world desires. But God is calling you to be a part of something amazing. It's the thing that he's doing, and it's what it talks about here in verse 27 to 28. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chooses the lowly things of the world, the despised things, the things that are not, to nullify the things that are. See, Paul's using some very powerful language here, but these are just ways that the world sees us Christians. Some people see us as fools for believing in the gospel. Others see us as weak for trusting in God's strength rather than our own. And others will just straight up despise us for it. Just spend five minutes on the internet and you'll figure that out. But God's doing all of this because he wants to switch this warped world's perspective. He wants to change what the world is looking at. And that's why he chooses the people who the world will see as lesser, the people who are willing to accept this foolish gospel so that no one at all can boast before God. See, this is God's ultimate purpose in this divine foolishness. It's what we looked at last week when he chose salvation to look like complete foolishness in the world. And that's also why he chooses believers to look just as foolish to the world as the gospel does. 
So as it says in verse 29 again, so that no one can boast before God. It completely destroys the idea that knowing God can be done by your own hands. Because nothing at all can give us the advantage when coming to God. Nothing can actually get us closer to God. You could be a pro athlete and or a movie star, the smartest person in the room. You can have the nicest car or be completely dripped out. None of that's going to give you any favor in God's eyes. We all come as the same broken people in need of God. And I think that's one of the most fantastic things about God, that he doesn't need anything from us. We don't have to be anything. We don't have to try to be anything. But we can just come as we are, and that's the fantastic thing about the gospel. We can't, but we can't come to God with any reliance on ourselves. We can't come thinking that we are enough. Because in the face of what God has done, God's action is all we need. Nothing we do is going to be enough. And that's fine because God is enough. And he really wants to concrete this all in verse 30 to 31. And this is where it all comes to a point, and this is what he's trying to say. So because we can't boast in ourselves, it's because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. We can't boast in ourselves for anything we have, and we can't even boast in ourselves for coming to faith, because God is the one who did that. He's the one who chose us and brought us into Christ. In our lack of strength, wisdom, and power, we get to see what real strength, wisdom, and power looks like in Christ, not this knockoff stuff that the world is trying to sell us. When the world couldn't do anything for itself, Jesus saved you and me and all of our fellow believers. He did that. Human wisdom and human power hasn't got us anywhere except for hurt. The world is full of death and destruction. That's all that human power has ever gotten us. It's all that human strength has ever gotten us. But Jesus is God's wisdom. And instead of hurt and destruction, he brought righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Through his death and resurrection on the cross, he brought all three of these things. When we accept that he has done what he has done on the cross, his blood washes us clean. The act of him dying on the cross took away our sins, so it no longer has a hold over our life. That's redemption. But it's not the only thing that we have, because when we're clean and free of sin, we can stand in God's presence. We can know him personally as our Father in heaven, because we are made righteous through Christ. We're made in right standing, and that's that righteousness. And we're also morally cleansed each and every day by the Holy Spirit. He changes us, that he, the, who is the gift from God. He changes us if we choose to accept it. He wants to turn us into a more Christ-like figure every single day. And none of this is on our own. It's all gifts from God. It's all things that he has done miraculously and powerfully through his death on the cross. It's all things that he wanted to give us. It's all things that we can now boast in ourselves. Not, not for ourselves, but boast in him. For what he has done because everything else is here today and it's gone tomorrow there's no eternal value to any of that stuff all of that power and strength 
That doesn't matter at the end of the day. But what Jesus has given us is more valuable than absolutely anything else. So if you do want to boast in something, boast in that. Boast in what he has done. Jesus Christ should be our greatest pride, not anything else in this world. And that happens when the gospel, when he and the gospel means more to us than anything else. When we set Jesus Christ as the center of our life, we choose to live for him rather than ourselves, and we accept that these gifts that he's given us, then we're changing for him and growing to be more like him. That's when it starts to look like what, when he starts to become the greatest pride. And I know you're probably thinking, well, what does this actually look like in my life? What does it mean to have the cross mean more for me in my life? What does it mean to have the gospel mean so much for me in my life? To put him first, to have him as my pride. Well, if you want to live for the gospel, it certainly helps to live as a fool for the gospel. Now, what do I mean by that? I know we went over it last week, but it's so important. I think we need to go over it again. The world sees the gospel in Christians as foolish. So don't try to run away from that. That's okay. Because at the end of the day, their opinion doesn't matter. Now, I'm not saying go crazy with it. I'm not saying that you need to rave on the streets with a megaphone that people are going to hold because that's pretty ineffective, honestly. I'm not going to lie. But what I'm saying is double down in your faith. If someone calls you out and says that you're a fool for it, just trust God even more because you are foolish to the world's view. But that's the beauty of God. We don't need to be anything. It's just what God has done for us. So if you already know that you're going to look like a fool for the gospel, you may as well do it. Talk about your faith. Go out there and share the gospel. Share the very power of God. God wants to use you to touch the people around you. I mean, just look at me. I wouldn't even be up here on this stage if my friend didn't decide to be a fool for the gospel and share that with me. I wouldn't even be able to share this message with you. It works. So if the gospel really is everything to you, if that's at the center of your heart, then trust that the gospel has the power of the sa to save. There's no problem with sharing it. It's one of the greatest opportunities that we have to live in our lives, to glorify God through sharing the word so that others can know him as well and glorify him as well. The second is that we need to live in reliance and dependence on Jesus. And I know those are some of the words that people really hate. We don't want to rely on someone else. We all want to believe that we can go it alone. But at the end of the day, we know that our strength isn't enough. Where has our strength ever actually gotten us, right? So no matter how hard we try, something's always bound to happen that we can't control. And at the same time, nothing in this world is ever going to be enough if we keep looking for more. But Jesus isn't a dictator. He doesn't want to spoil your fun. That's not what he's asking for. He wants you to have the best life possible. One that's focused on eternity and now, not just this world. And Jesus is right here, and he is enough. We don't need any more than when we have him. He just wants you to love him and have a relationship. He just wants to love you and have a relationship with you. That's all he's asking for. He's not looking for you to be perfect every single day. You don't have to do that. He knows we can't do that. 
but just keep your eyes on him. Keep moving towards him. And even if you stumble and fall, that's okay because it's not by our own strength that we have to pick ourselves up again. It's by his strength. He's there to help us. All we need to do is say, help, and he's going to be there because it's all by him. All power and all strength is from God. We don't have anything to show for it, so we may as well just accept him. Let's not come with any pride when we're coming towards him. Let's just accept him as he is, accept this gift that he's given and know that he is enough. He is sufficient for all that we need. So, church, today let's make Jesus the boast of our life. And as we're closing, wouldn't you just choose to put your pride aside today? Wouldn't you just choose Christ to be the center, to be your very boast today? As we pray, ask that Jesus would be enough for you, that he could be the center of your life, that the gospel could be the center of your life and the passion of your heart. Because Jesus is here and he's waiting. So let's pray. Jesus, Lord, wouldn't you just come? Wouldn't you just be the center of our life? Wouldn't you just be our very pride today, Father God? Help us to pull down these walls, these boundaries that we put before you, Lord. These things that we think are so important to ourselves, but in the face of eternity, they mean nothing. Because God, you're enough. You've done so much for us. You called us into salvation and you did save us. You're making us more and more like you each and every day. So, Father God, please help us to accept that. Please help us to prioritize you and the gospel every single day, Father God, rather than ourselves. Wouldn't you just be the power of our life, Lord? Just fill us with your love again today. Fill us, fill our hearts again today, Father God. Fill our very minds again today. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen.